Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople in the blue-collar middle class. I'm hoping to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. And so I'm here again today with Dustin. I don't know if, well, I'm sure most of you guys will remember him from episode 10. It's by far the most downloaded episode and the most well-received and the one that I kind of reference back to the most. But before we get started, I just wanted to share an update, Dustin, that you had shared on social media here a few days ago. So it says, three years ago today, I woke up from back surgery to be told I might never walk again. The other day, I was running around my physio gym on ice skates, playing hockey with a volunteer with a foam puck. I'd say I proved that doctor wrong. So welcome back. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. I figure that's uh, that's kind of a really good place to start off. If anybody wanted to hear your backstory, I, I suggest they go back to kind of episode 10 or follow you along on Twitch. But um, you've got a hell of a story. We won't start from the beginning again, but let's kind of pick up where you're at now and kind of, yeah, give you a little intro into the show. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yesterday, February 14th was the three year anniversary of my back surgery. So um, usually, you know, the last few years I've done like a big update, like a big like, hey, this is where my life is at. And you know what, this year, just with everything that's gone on with COVID and everything, I was just short, sweet, you know, things are going great. This is where I'm at. Um, But yeah, it's very surreal to think back that three years ago, I was confined to a wheelchair. And then now, um, you know, me and my physio are trying to figure out when we're going to be able to schedule some ice time to try and actually skate on ice again for the first time in three, well, three plus years now. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I know, again, we won't get into the whole backstory, but what you had said about basically playing in a hockey tournament or a hockey game four days before then going into surgery and waking up without the use of your legs, like that's, that's got to be an amazing feeling, even to be playing like floor hockey with a foam puck again. Yeah. Yeah, it is amazing. And we've we've been working with the skates for about, uh, I'd say, two, almost, well, almost three months now. Mm-hmm. Um, just before Christmas, we started working on the skates um, with skate guards. So just in the in the gym. And the the first day we tied them up and I stood up on them Um I almost cried uh, because the feeling of having them on my feet again, even though I can't really feel what it actually feels like, just being up on them, trying to find my balance. And then uh, when she handed me a hockey stick to try and play pass, it was just like, oh man, so many emotions that uh, I had no idea would just, just come rushing over me. I, I can only imagine. I mean, yeah, I can only imagine if it's something like that, that you just loved playing so much. And then to figure that, you know, for these last three years thinking you may never be able to do it again. And then all of a sudden you're up back on skates playing, passing a puck around. That'd be the coolest feeling ever. It Well, it was hockey for me was always such a hobby. Yeah. You know, and I didn't realize how important it was to me until I had lost it. And, uh, you know, I, I had filled the void a couple times. Um early on in my recovery um, by playing sledge hockey, I played in a couple of sledge hockey tournaments and, and uh, that was fun, but it it wasn't the same, you know, you just, uh, (laughs) 
you go to like move and juke like you used to on your skates and you fall over on the on the sled and then, then you're trying to pick yourself up and you know it, it is exhausting and and i say this i say this with all honesty if anyone ever has the chance to try sledge hockey able-bodied or disabled do it don't don't think about it just just do it and you will you will have so much respect for that olympic team it's absolutely incredible it is the most exhausting thing i have ever tried <laughs> i can't even imagine like the upper body strength involved in that to like there are muscles in my triceps and like lats that i didn't know existed um <laughs> Your arms aren't designed to propel yourself in that manner. So when you're sitting still and you have to get going, it's just two little ice picks and you're just digging in and trying to move. Once you're moving, yep. it's actually a lot of fun. It's great. And you can get moving around and, and zip around and actually watching the professional level is quite fun because they like they body check. They go shoulder to shoulder. It's it's insane what those guys can do. But yeah, once you stop, you kind of, you kind of don't, you just don't even want to get going again. But. Just lean over and take a nap. Yeah, I, I yeah. believe it. you must have a totally new respect now seeing like the guys actually playing it after having experienced it yourself. Absolutely. Like anyone playing para sports out there, if anyone's listening to this, like mm-hmm. I have way more respect for you than any able-bodied athlete in the world. Oh, I can imagine. Because having to do the same things essentially without the use of your legs or in some cases without the use of your legs and, and full function of your arms. I mean, the stuff they do is incredible. There's, there's not nearly enough publicity or, or uh, media coverage of para sport. Like it, it is so inspirational to have tried those sports. Um, which I think more able-bodied people should be exposed to and should try. I think that's a, I think that's a really good idea. And that'd be a way to raise exposure too, because, you know, once you can experience something firsthand, you're going to have way more drive to watch it and kind of participate in it as a fan too. And I think that's been the greatest part about my recovery, you know, being told that, you know, spinal cord injuries or spinal cord injuries, you probably will never walk again. But then having this opportunity the last three years to go through this through this experience of like being a paraplegic being in a wheelchair confined to a wheelchair, having to learn to live in that wheelchair because uh, I was only in the rehab hospital for three months. So basically when I left there, my life was, you're going to be in a wheelchair. So I learned to live in a wheelchair with minimal use of my legs, um, walking about 10 steps with a two wheeled walker. Mm Mm-hmm. And then so for the next three months, I was out in the wild, confined to a wheelchair as I continued to work and and keep working in rehab and and get up on my feet using forearm crutches and things. Mm -hmm. And then slowly learning how to walk and and feeling the different muscles start to get stronger and, and each and every time learning how to balance again differently because now a different muscle is pushing in a different direction. And so now your balance is thrown off and, and basically learning all the things that a baby learns, but remembering it all because I'm a full grown adult. So having that experience that 
not a lot of people get to experience is pretty incredible. I, I feel like a lucky person, even though my injury is devastating, you know? You know, oh, I know, I know, well, I don't know exactly what you mean, but like, I, I can relate it to even just getting to know you on here. Like I, I have, I mean, I've re- referenced it in a few podcast episodes since ours, but nothing has left the impression on me, like our conversation, because now, like I go back to that and think about that. If I'm having a rough day or going through some shit situation, like I'll often reference back to that and think like, well, Hey, like it, it could be a lot worse. Like look what other people are going through or hearing your story of just kind of recovery and where you're getting back to now. Like it's so, it's so inspiring. And that's why, I mean, I know that again, like people have said this to you all the time, but it's, it's such a cool story to hear. And it's, it's a nice, thing to kind of put in perspective whenever you're going through anything. So even, you know, even you feeling lucky to have gone through that and to now have that experience, like I feel lucky just hearing your frame of reference going through it. Like it, I think it really does impact a lot of people. Like I said, your first episode, I haven't had that much kind of feedback on any episode before or since like people just loved it. Yeah. Yeah. People loved it. Like you have, you had such an uplifting way of kind of explaining everything (laughs) and having just the perspective going through it. And I know, I know, and we can get into this kind of as the episode goes on, but kind of, you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of people have kind of been going through struggles through COVID and all this extended lockdown. And I know, you know, I've experienced it. um, You've experienced it. And that's something we can kind of expand upon in this episode. Um, But I thought, uh, I still think that your story is incredibly inspiring and uplifting and anybody who hasn't heard it, I suggest going back to episode 10 and listening to it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, I I do my best to be positive Mm -hmm. and I'm also realistic about the situation. You know, I, I know that at any moment, um, I could just, that's the end of my recovery and this is what I'm going to get, but I'm thankful each and every day for how far I've come. Yeah, um, because every day I get a little bit stronger. Um, I get I learn something a little bit different about my body. Um, but I'd be lying if I said there wasn't some bad times. Um, For sure. Just recently, I had to take some time off work. I'm still off work now, but uh, I'm looking to get back soon um, to to correct my mental health. You know, between my recovery. I had reached a point, uh, this was before I was getting up on skates and, and kind of pushing forward a bit further. My recovery had kind of plateaued and there was a few weeks where not much was changing. I wasn't feeling very strong. I was having a lot of pain issues. Um, work was really getting to me and I was falling behind and just basically got to a point where I was essentially giving up. Um, I wasn't sad. I had given everything I had for my entire recovery. I was just basically exhausted and I was kind of tired of the world kicking me around. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I knew at that moment that it, it was, uh, it was time to make a change. Yeah. I've always been uh, a pretty stubborn, proud male individual (laughs) (laughs) i can relate (laughs) i can relate to that (laughs) excuse me um yeah so you know my wife would very much support that 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 uh definition (laughs) emphasis on the stubborn oh yeah and so i've never you know i've been a victim of an old 
old school kind of way of thinking, right? You know, and I'm sure you've seen that in trades where it's kind of like suck it up, buttercup. Oh, yeah. um, still with with a lot of the older guys out there and things, and and you don't talk about feelings, and you just kind of like, well, life's life's not fair and life sucks, but you know. <laughs> at some point you really got to think, well, is it life that's kicking me or is it me that's starting to kick me harder? Mm-hmm. Um, because we can beat ourselves up and, and we can start defeating ourselves. And I think that was what was really starting to happen is, is I, I just got to a point where I, w- I was working against myself. And that's kind of and the worst when, when you can't even kind of count on your own subconscious to kind of lift you up at times, right? Like, and speaking to that old school mentality, I mean, this isn't in direct relation to mental health, but like, I remember having one, one boss who got frustrated with me for wanting to go home for the birth of my child. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who was like, uh, I wasn't there for any of my three kids birth. I'm like, well, man, I'm not you. Like I'm getting, yeah. out, I'm getting out of camp and I'm going to see my son be born like that. Sorry. There's no stop me. I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. You're right about that old school mentality. I mean, it's uh, you definitely run into it still nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah. And it it's, di- those are difficult moments because you they don't are. mean anyone, any, anything, any offense by it, mm-hmm. you know, it's just trying to live your life in, in a happier way than yeah. they did, you know, family matters to, to, people nowadays in a different way you know not that it didn't matter in the old day yep it's just things are different now and so you know I even went as far as to reach out to counseling and I worked with my doctor I I started you know mental health medication which I was super against for so so long um just being stupid and stubborn and and saying no no I can I can get through this and and so working through that now I've actually feel the best I've felt since almost the beginning of my recovery when I had um, when I was in the rehab facility and I had all those peers around me and I was able to just really be myself and kind of, kind of just live. Yeah. And, and I'm back to that and I'm, I'm more involved with my kids and realizing I can do things around the house and, and life isn't that bad anymore. And, and uh i stopped watching the news which was a huge huge one (laughs) you know what's funny is i've I've talked about that 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 on here too that was such a big kind of aha moment for me as well like i stopped paying close attention to the news like it just i I don't know i found it was bogging me down as well but what i wanted to ask you too is so taking that step to kind of open up to your coworkers, your employee or your employers, sorry, and kind of need to take that time off. Like that must've been a pretty big step. Cause like, like you were alluding to like kind of that idea, that old school mentality still within the trades to actually open up and request that time off. Like, was that, was that a big hurdle in moving forward? That was extremely tough yeah. for me. Um, well, cause like you said, I, like kind of being that stubborn, like masculine, you know, yeah. Typical. And also, also that, uh, you know, a bit of a deep rooted fear of failure, you know, yeah. you kind of feel like I'm letting people down when I, when I step away from my responsibilities or whatever. Right. Yep. I never like to leave anything for anyone else to do that I know is supposed to be me or, or should have been me mm-hmm. to do it. And so to, to open up that conversation with my supervisor and say, you know, something's really wrong. Um, you know, not 
to get into any graphic detail or anything, but right. you know, you, you just kind of like let them know, like, Hey, this is, this is serious. And, and if you want to have me as an employee, mm-hmm. I'm going to need to take this time off to, to get sorted out because, you know, if I don't take the time off, I don't know how long I'm, how much longer I'm going to be here. Right. Yeah. Uh, that, and that's, that's a serious conversation to have and did, were they receptive to it right away? Or oh, absolutely. They, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a huge yeah. key. That's a huge yeah. key. And, and the hardest thing for me is, is I was never like, I don't want to say like that because right. it's, it's, right. it's not, a, there's nothing wrong with mental health issues, right? Like no. it, it's, it's just, I believe that the change in my environment and the change in my health directly affected my mental health. Like it's part of my recovery, part of my disease. Yeah. Um, but being able to cope with it and work through it is helping me feel like I felt before my injury happened. And so I'm getting back into a place where, where I don't feel like I have a mental health struggle. It's just a mental health balance. Right. And did, do you find that, so I imagine, I know we had talked about it before, but that the the pandemic was kind of impacting your ability to do in-person um, rehab. And mm-hmm. so is that kind of still going on or have you been able to resume any of that? Well, it's still kind of going on to an extent. I'm, I'm able to do in-person rehab um, twice a week, yep. but you know, when I was able to go four times a week was the best. I mean, I loved it and I was working my butt off and that's, that's uh, you know, I shed a bunch of weight and I was just, I was making excellent gains in my recovery because I was just basically forcing my body not really listening to it, um, kind of pushing as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. And when COVID hit, I was just kind of hitting that corner where I was really going to start doing new things, like trying to run on treadmill and stuff. And so that probably was the start or a catalyst into the deterioration of my mental health. Right. Um, because it went so hand in hand with my recovery. Um when my physio stopped, it was kind of like, okay, well we can do tele-rehab and whatever. And, and we'll, we'll get through this, you know, this, this won't last too long. And then as the pandemic kind of dragged on, it was like, okay, well, this isn't really working. You know, the, the home workouts don't really give you the same benefit as the in-person workouts. You don't have the same kind of motivator. Sometimes you get the wrong technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't get the same, the right stretch or the right muscle movement out of the the exercise that you're doing and and so all of that kind of piled together with uh work and not really being able to reach out to friends or go out and see friends or any of that just really kind of made me feel like enough was enough yeah and and what you're kind of alluding to too i think this is at least you know not everybody's going through the recovery um from, you know, the injury that you had, but, but the idea of losing that kind of social network, I think is really relatable to a lot of people. I know that's, what's kind of impacted me the most that, and kind of the moving end date for this, it's tough Mm -hmm. to kind of set goals when you're not really sure what's happening. And I, I get the sense kind of from you too, that when you had that, that goal, that recovery kind of clearly ahead of you and within your grasp, like that, that kind of drives you forward a lot. I'm the same way. Like I like to, I have goals that I like to try to hit and try to reach and just, just give myself a point to orient towards. And that, uh, 
it sounds like it's kind of the same thing and that you you really kind of lost touch with that because it was kind of taken from you ultimately with the pandemic and not being able to do your in-person and then again losing kind of those support networks it's it's tough for everybody right now I think 100% and I've always had a little bit of OCD and so I've always kind of had a plan I Um, I am the same way (laughs) and so when my my life plan was derailed and so I've spent the last three years trying to patch the rails back together, but every time you kind of get it on the tracks, something else happens and it changes again yep. um, because I live a life of complete uncertainty and it's not like I broke a leg and in six months you're going to be back on your feet and everything will be fine. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, I, had two weeks of absolutely no nerve pain and just recently i had 30 straight hours of absolutely brutal nerve pain where i couldn't even sleep i was getting like one two hour chunks here or there and then being woken up out of a dead sleep because it felt like someone was cutting my feet off with a dull chainsaw that's brutal it just wouldn't stop. And, and none of the techniques that I would use, it was whatever nerve was trying to re reattach or regrow at that moment was, was just like, Hey, I'm here, this is happening and let's go on this ride. And I, I just basically had to ride that wave of, of 30 straight hours where, you know, it, it's such intense pain that you almost want to throw up you can't really breathe. It, it, it's the worst pain I've ever felt. Well, I know you've ex- you expressed it last time, kind of relating it to being like electrocuted, that that nerve pain just shooting up your was that your leg primarily then that it was going up? Yeah. So this time it was more like in the ankles. So like my Achilles tendon and yeah. then it was kind of like the side of my foot, like uh, like on the outside edge and things it felt felt like I was in like a, a horror movie, like in Saw or Hostel or something. It was like some awful torture technique that i was living through oh that's brutal and, and when you can't see anything either like i i can't even imagine that feeling yeah. the only thing that i could even re- half relate it to and again i don't know the feeling was like have you ever been woken up with a charlie horse or like yep. um yeah that i remember just waking up when i was like 16 and screaming at like 2 a.m because my whole leg locked up and i couldn't do anything. i was punching my leg trying to like loosen up the muscles it's but, very similar very okay. similar it's uh it's it's essentially the same wake up feeling, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the pain is a little more searing. <laughs> I believe it. it. It's, and then it, it comes, there's no warning for it. Really. It, it hits out of absolute nowhere. And then it's just gone. And it's the most frustrating way to live. I was going to say that'd be infuriating to have like no real answer. Like it just comes and then goes whenever it wants to. Yeah. And now you can go a few weeks with not feeling any, you just get your regular kind of numbness and tingling. That's like your injury, whatever, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And then just it'll hit and you don't know how long it's going to hit. You don't know how frequent it's going to hit. It's, you don't know where it's going to rotate to. It's so bizarre. It is the most peculiar symptom of any injury or disease and it is it is probably a lot of the cause of my mental issues i'm not gonna lie i can imagine just the unknown of like this may pop up at any time that would drive me absolutely bananas 
Yeah, it's like constantly looking over your shoulder for that little saw doll, you know? It's yeah. Like, it's, it's jigsaw like, comes like, wheeling yeah, around the corner. Who's what yeah, and what part of my leg is he going for oh, today? Like man, that's horrible. Have so do the do the doctors say like that's kind of expected, that's normal, or do they kind of give you any diagnosis on that? You get about four hundred different answers oh, about what nerve pain is and why it's happening and you know most people say it's a good thing. Some people say it's just because you're, you're a paraplegic and that's what happens. And then other people say it's regrowth and, and most, most of the, the people that describe the regrowth, it it, it does make sense because I don't get it in the places that I used to get it. Like it stopped happening in like my hamstrings, which, Oh man, when it used to happen in my hamstrings, was that even worse? Yeah, it was <laughs> just that face alone. It's like, oh, I don't want to experience that ever. The Ugh. first time I had the nerve pain, like regrowth pain in my hamstrings before they started working and waking up again, I literally wanted to die. Oh man. No, no exaggeration. I did not know what I was going through. I thought something was wrong like i thought my body was telling me i was dying it it was it was that excruciating i'm like what is happening like is my body telling me like that's enough like why are your eyes open just call it it's it's done you're done buddy oh my god yeah but no yeah. It, it, yeah it's just yeah it's just nerves trying to reattach to the muscles and trying to sort stuff out and trying to relearn the signal to your brain that they used to know And so while it does that, your brain cycles through every single thing it knows, but because it's not getting the signals that it learned previously, it just goes, Hey, this sucks. Wake up, wake up. This here's about (laughs) every pain signal signal. I know, and I'm going to mash them all together. Like the worst nineties mashup you've ever heard. It's going to be what the friends and friends and something else. I hate friends, but that's uh, <laughs> man, it's like friends with Marilyn Manson or something. Oh, there know? we go. There we go. Um, that's man. That's, uh, that's something that I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to take for granted. Now when my legs don't feel like they want to detach from my body, that's going to be a, that's a, a tough realization to make, but that's uh man, that's scary. So what helps you cope with all this stuff? Like, obviously the insanity and just the unknowingness of when this could happen again, like, again, that would drive me nuts. And like you said, that kind of, that's got to be adding to your kind of the, just this mental strain that you're going through, but what, what helps you cope with all this? It's trying to look forward to the future, you know, trying to keep the positive mindset of, okay, this is regrowth pain. Yeah. And I try to focus on, on the fact that this is, probably good pain and you know no pain no gain let's if you get through it it'll pass you know the pain always goes away um and hopefully it means that something is gonna work better tomorrow or in a week or two and so i just kind of focus on that um and and just keep breathing meditate i meditate um because I took a relaxation class through the Abbotsford hospital. So I try to focus on those exercises. You know, I just, now that I'm kind of over the, the, the mental weakness that I was feeling um, a couple months ago, 
you know, I just focus on my family and like, okay, you know, this will, I will get through this and they are there to help me if I need them. And, and, you know, I have the support of everyone and they understand. Um, I, I'm not letting anyone down when I feel this pain. Mm-hmm. And, and it took me a long time to get there. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we, we try to plan things as a family and then that morning comes and it's like, okay, let's go. And it's like, well, dad's not coming. Mm-hmm. And, and that happens more often than not, because it just, you know, you never know. And like, I, I think that's, I mean, I, I'm sure we both feel the same way, but I think that's an, an aspect that's often overlooked with being a husband or a father is that it's like, it's, it's amazing to kind of have, have those people relying on you and to try to be that role model or that support system for your family. But you know, that mental strain and emotional strain can be highlighted when you're going through anything wrong and it gets amplified because you want to be there for your kids. You want to be there for your wife. And if you can't, like, I know just myself, if I'm going through anything where I'm feeling like I'm kind of out of touch or not really in tune with the, what the family's doing and you know, I'm, I'm just kind of stressed out or whatever I'm in my own head. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of, that can add to the weight that I'm feeling because now I know that I'm not only out of it, but now I'm also, you know, my family is feeling this and they're feeling that I'm out of it and I'm not there for them the way that I, I feel like I need to be. And yeah. I know that, you know, as a father, it's, it's a great feeling when you're able to be there and, you know, it's, it's awesome to be that role model, but it can really compound when things aren't going well. Like, of course. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a, it's something that I never hear being talked about either, but it's something, you know, it is a, it's, it's tough sometimes and you're a father, you're a husband, and you do have those people who normally you would want to look to you for support and for, you know, stability, but when you're not able to give it, it can just kind of compound on yourself. Yeah. And, and we are kind of living in a generation of, of, in, of where we're breaking the barriers of what it means to be an involved father. Yeah. You know, there's still a lot of people in the middle age group right now that, you know, aren't, aren't involved. They still are kind of old school where they're a little bit distant from the actual hands-on parenting. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just an older way of doing it. I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, Mm -hmm. but then now we we are both kind of we're both hands on dads where we're involved, you know, it's partnership and and even down to the parenting duties, you know. Yeah. And so when when you kind of lose those moments where you're able to help your partner out and you see your partner struggling, it it makes it so much more difficult. And uh, it's been it's been hard. Um that's been one of the hardest parts of the last three years is, is knowing how hard life has been for the rest of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not, they're amazing. They, yeah. They're strong oh. and, and they have done it on their own, you know, but the added pressure of, of hearing dad screaming in the, in the, in his bedroom, you know, screaming for his life, that's got to be hard for my daughter. She doesn't talk about it, Mm -hmm. but it's got to be hard for a 14 year old daughter to hear her dad screaming in the most excruciating pain she's ever heard. Um, you know, cause I try my best to cover it up, but I mean, you just can't. Well, no, what you're explaining. I mean, that's, that's pretty tough to keep, keep quiet or keep under wraps. But I mean, I guess like, yeah, I've been trying to kind of just change my, even my perspective of like, my past and I just think about anything 
you know, I don't, I don't know about your family history either, but whenever you're going through anything tough like that, like whatever your daughter's going through thinking about that, like it, it just kind of grows you as a person, like she's going to get stronger and maybe more empathetic or whatever it is because of Mm -hmm. all of this. Like it's, it's amazing kind of, yeah. Looking at like my siblings too, what they went through as kids and just how much stronger and how it kind of built them up over time and developed the people that they are today. Like, I think, you know, it's, it's really easy to get caught up as a dad in worrying about your kids. And I can completely relate to that. Like I'm worried about whatever, anything, how it may affect my kids upbringing. Like, it's just, it's a natural, natural thing. Like you said, of being kind of a hands-on and, and involved father, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine kind of the mental strain on you when you're, you're thinking about that, but I know, I know it's just going to help build her up and develop the character that she's going to have. Yeah. And, and she's already turning, you know, amazing, amazing mm-hmm. young woman. So, um, I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And, and that's the thing is, is this has strengthened our, our family Yep. by exponential numbers. Yep. I mean, uh, my daughter and I are super close and my son and I are super super close because we spend a ton of time together <laughs> that's got to be one <laughs> one bonus of kind of this stuff that's going on is that you've absolutely got, like you've got if so i had my full-time job i wouldn't have the relationship i have with my son yeah you know and even with my daughter yeah so it, it's there's tons of silver linings in in the injury that that help me get through the darker days and and the harder days just knowing all the things that I would have missed out on or, or the, the things that, uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to do had I just been focusing on my career and, and still pushing down that path of being on call and working all the overtime whenever it's offered and, and, you know, doing the, doing the work grind, you know, it's just, just like the old days, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny that you were, you mentioned that because that's one thing that I've kind of been, not struggling with lately, but it's been on my mind, right? Especially through this pandemic, like I'm fortunate enough to still be working um, maybe even more than before. Like for whatever reason, it's really busy and it's been really busy for the past nine months. But um, but it, I am kind of thinking about that. Like I have friends who've been laid off for a while or, you know, even just recently, I've had a couple months off and I'm I'm almost jealous of the time that they get to have with their family. And I'm trying to I'm trying to really make an effort to take a little bit of time off because right now, like my mentality has always been, you know, strike while I, while the iron's hot. Like, I don't know if work's going to dry up tomorrow, two months down the road. I have no idea. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm trying to balance planning for the future and then trying to not stress out so much about it and just enjoy kind of this time right now, because it's, yeah. it's weird. Like I'm kind of the same way as you, like, I need to have kind of that goal that I'm reaching towards. And again, like I said, with no kind of end date in line for this pandemic, like I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of up in the air. Like I, I've lo- I don't have that one point that I'm trying to orient to. <laughs> so it's kind yeah. of frustrating, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to over this next bit of time, take a little bit more time off work and try to enjoy this a little bit more, because like you said, like there's a lot of silver linings in here that I'm missing. And it's something that I'm going to try to focus more on nowadays. Yeah. And I think I, I've learned that spending time with your family isn't such a bad thing, No, you know? And, um, when I was growing up, my dad worked a lot, Mm -hmm. um, because he had to, you know, we, I had two older sisters and, and he had mouths to feed. 
And so he worked and worked and that was basically it. He worked. And then on the weekends, he took me to hockey and, and that was kind of our relationship. Right. And we didn't really go on vacations or things of that nature. And so I knew when I became a father that I wanted to balance more family activity and, and things into my life. And so you know, oh, that's what I was working towards was taking that time off. And it was funny that kind of I was working a lot the last year and a half up until my injury. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on call. I was going in at three in the morning if a generator needed to be done and and working until, you know, six in the morning and then going home, sleeping and then going back and finishing my shift and and then being on call again the next night. And so. I was kind of burning myself out and it was almost like life was like, Hey, no, this is not, (laughs) this is not a good path that you're on. You're going to, you're going to burn yourself out. And Mm -hmm. almost nature told me to, to slow down. And so would have been nicer if they were a little bit kinder in their messaging. for you. Well, you know, yeah, (laughs) you know, it would have been nice if they were like, Hey, just, you know, take a week off or something, but just a a little nudge rather than taking your legs out, not a a nudge (laughs) instead of a push off a cliff. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But you know, it's funny because I I wouldn't trade the last three years for anything. Yeah. That's as crazy as it is. Um, you know, I, I am, I'm so thankful that it happened because it slowed me down and it mm-hmm. allowed me to refocus, um, my priorities and, and really take stock of what I was doing with my life and who I was focused on and who I was doing it for and, and what I was doing to myself and to my relationship with my kids and wife and, 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 uh, yeah, I was probably in poor physical health, realistically, mm-hmm. um, overweight, not really focused on getting healthy. I was smoking cigarettes and just living that trade lifestyle. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, out of nowhere, this hits. Uh, I quit smoking the day I went in. I quit drinking. Um, for the most part up until just recently i'll have like one beer once a month now mm-hmm. if that maybe once every three months i might have a drink yep. i just have no desire to drink anymore i, I was gonna say i haven't <laughs> i haven't either i i got into the edibles a little bit more like that <laughs> that hey, I enjoy. Man. <laughs> well with with being a spinal cord injury you know cannabis is my best friend yeah i believe um it with the nerve pain, it's one of the quickest deliveries of pain relief you can get. And it's Mm -hmm. the most natural medicine in the world, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people against it. I know there's a lot of people for it. I know it's a very divisive subject, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I can't do anything but praise it. Um, it saved me from being on chemical medication for the last three years up until recently when I started using the, the uh, antidepressants for my mental health. But, but other than that, for the pain and that it's been without it, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. Well, I probably would have been on opioids to be honest, because they would have been like, here's morphine to make you not feel pain. And that's, that's just where it would have gone. 
Yeah, well, thank God for weed then, because yeah, like the opioid <laughs> epidemic is just insane. And yeah, I hear it. Like I know what you mean about it being divisive, but I think uh, I think those kind of voices against it are getting pretty beat down nowadays. Yeah. Like there's just so many positives from it, and you yeah. know, I I think just people are becoming more awake to it. Yeah. Well, and I try not to rah, rah, right? Like I no. just try to point people in the right direction to maybe try and educate themselves a little better. If I feel like they're, they're kind of not really knowing the actual facts behind cannabis and, and what the benefits are and why it became illegal in the first place. Oh yeah. Racism and, and things. Yep. Um, you know, them jazzies and in, in them clubs, Oh, smoking their reefer <laughs> i know if, if white people smoke cannabis in the early 1900s it would have been legal just like cigarettes and alcohol you know <laughs> and so it's just let's let's call a spade a spade yeah so, you yeah, know you're, you're absolutely right and i always actually the best documentary i've still seen to this day is called the grass is greener on netflix oh i haven't it, seen that one that one came out on 420 i don't know if it's last year or year before that's great and marketing it is, it is the best cannabis documentary i think i've seen to this day what was that called sorry i'm gonna write it down grass is greener the grass is greener yeah i'm gonna and, watch that uh, one. it goes right back to like the beginning of where they started making it illegal it goes through the the drug wars in the 70s and 80s and uh, it explains how ridiculous it is that like basically in all the states that's still illegal mm -hmm. and considered a class one or schedule one drug, yeah, it's just crazy. It's more illegal than cocaine and heroin yeah. in all of those states, which is like, what? Well, that was the crazy <laughs> thing about working oil field too, because guys would go on their like weeks off and they just go into like, coke binges like crazy benders but they could that would be out of their system in three days but if a guy smoked a joint on his days off that yeah. stays in your system for 21 to 28 days right so as yeah. soon as if you have any safety infraction you know you cut your hand anything small happens on site you're going to get piss tested and if you smoke weed on your days off you're canned but if you were whatever doing having a coke binge on your days off and you're happened to be four days into your shift, that's out of your system. So you'd be totally fine. But it was the like it was the guys who smoked weed recreationally who would get shit canned yeah, day after just, day. It was crazy. It was crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You just it, and so I'm glad that the stigma is is shifting a little bit. Yeah. Um and and actually living in Chilliwack. There's tons of dispensaries here now. Oh my God. Like it's awesome. <laughs> I know. You know? I, I'll, you can't go like go three blocks without a dispensary. Uh, you can get it delivered to your door. <laughs> like, you know, just e-transfer. It's amazing, man. You got stuff like weed maps, which is basically skip the dishes for weed. It's <laughs> we live in a great time. Yeah. You're, you're talking <laughs> pain to some, relief. you're talking to some people in the States who are like, what you guys? Yeah, exactly. They're like, Oh man. <laughs> Don't worry, you guys are going to legalize it federally soon and yeah. make us look like idiots. And then we're yeah. going to come crawl and be like, please show us how to make money. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, You guys got Uber Eats for weed. Yeah. 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 You know, if if the Canadian government would have just listened to the people that were already running the like semi-legal weed shops, mm -hmm. it would have been fine. But, you know. Oh, I that's know. enough about that. Let's not get political. <laughs> I know. I, I have so many times in this podcast where I have to stop myself. I'm like, all right, let's 
back up a few paces here because it just it's so easy nowadays too because yeah. everything seems to lead into a political discussion but, but it's it is literally going to be a shame yeah. when the u.s legalizes it federally mm-hmm. because they're going to probably follow the same models that they follow in like oregon and colorado and things where it's basically agriculture product yeah and you can like harvest it yourself sell it yourself as long as you pay your taxes and register and everything mm-hmm ever and so is that all in this uh uh, this documentary as well does it it get into modern day stuff it gets into modern day stuff it talks about the money that's not being made basically in california because it was pre-legalization in california oh because i believe california is now one of the full legal recreational states i think Uh, so too california and nevada they were like more of the recent ones yeah yeah and so it, it talks about all that. And it was like in the trillions, what they were making. Jesus Christ. Um, well, I remember they were selling each year. Yeah. I remember seeing some stuff. I think the documentary I may have seen was something about murder mountain, but, um, but anyway, yeah, then seen I, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Then I saw another documentary where it's just like, you literally have like ex Navy seals who are hired to transport just truckloads of cash because they weren't able to, to process it or actually <laughs> deposit it into a bank. So they just yeah. have, have rooms full of cash with armed it's, guards. And that's still a problem for, <sighs> for just... those state state dispensaries. They can't, yeah. Dis- they can't deposit money in a bank because banks are federally operated yeah it's just crazy and so they they have vaults basically yep. and just yeah yeah it, it's pretty crazy it's pretty crazy because they make so much more money than like <laughs> the canadian system where it's like yeah it's legal but you know the the black market just still thrives oh yeah yeah, no, you're right. I mean, yeah, eventually they'll they'll kind of come to the senses. I mean, I always thought that money would have talked and they would have figured it out by now because just the amount of money they're leaving on the table. But ah, greed talks louder, apparently. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I don't know how we got that far down the uh, yeah, rabbit got... hole of weed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I made one mention of of enjoying edibles over a beer here and there. Yeah, and spoken like true stoners, apparently. Yeah, no doubt. Well, this is, uh, you know, BC, bud. We're in BC, so. <laughs> yeah, Seth Rogen be proud. <laughs> there we go um what was i gonna say oh yeah and speaking of that beer too it sucks like i know after whatever that episode so that would have been around 14 15 weeks ago we had talked about getting together for a beer whenever these yeah. lockdowns lifted and then they just never lifted so <laughs> yeah eventually one of yep. these days we'll get around to it absolutely yeah man so and and what we were talking about kind of before that was just about like that responsibility of being a father being uh being a husband while going through all this stuff like um sorry i completely lost my train train of thought there but like do you find that focusing on that responsibility does still help you kind of pull yourself through it a little bit like i'm not saying that it's a a cure-all to it but do you find that knowing that you have your kids relying on you and your wife kind of relying on you while it may be it may add a little bit of a weight does it also kind of give you a heading when you're trying to navigate through that it, it definitely can be a boost, but it is yeah. that double-edged sword, like you totally. kind of mentioned. Um, you know, on days where it's kind of, where I'm just kind of feeling down, mm-hmm. it can push me through. Yep. But when I'm feeling pain and that it can feel like more of a, of a detriment because it depends on the time that I'm feeling pain. Like if it's during a time where we've scheduled something where I'm kind of supposed to be doing something with or for the family, And then all of a sudden a big nerve pain battle hits. Then when I start thinking about it, it's like, it's thinking like I'm letting them down. And then it kind of starts to weigh on you a bit. 
but it's 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 give and take you know mm-hmm. it's all situational just as mental health is you know yeah and that's one of the biggest things is, is with mental mental health and and is realizing that it is a balance you know you don't you don't always have to be ha- happy yeah you're not always going to feel like the world is the best place and you're not always going to feel like every day's sunshine and rainbows yeah and i mean i've i've heard it i have a a friend who kind of has a a mental health podcast as well but he kind of says that one of the big things to kind of remember is that it's okay to not feel okay all the time and i i think that's that's really applicable like i said especially nowadays when everybody's got this kind of added stress and with the lockdowns going on and everything like it's I think it's a really common feeling and it's not something that you should kind of be ashamed of bringing up or anything. Like it's not, not every day is, you know, unicorns and rainbows. Like you were saying, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is, but we got to kind of take it as it comes. And I'm happy to hear that, that the antidepressants have, have really helped smooth that out for you. Quick edit. I'm talking about the podcast. Hey, Mark. Yeah, they have. And you know, I was skeptical at first and I really didn't know, if it was what was helping or if the time off work was what was helping. But, you know, as I noticed uh, a bit of a change in my mental state where I started to feel a little foggy and, and didn't quite feel myself. And then it started to kind of shift into like, okay, I feel a little better and a little more energy each and every day. And then I slowly just started doing dishes again, like I used to, and just started tidying up and, and doing things I would, normally do before where I had kind of stopped doing those things where I would look at them and I just kind of like go hide in bed and just didn't feel like pushing myself to do anything because I wasn't getting any stronger and I wasn't getting any better and I was just frustrated that how tired I would get just just tidying something up and and so noticing those little shifts and changes, I, I did realize that, yeah, the medication is helping and, and also the work with counseling and, and the more you talk about it and kind of get it out there and, and vocalize those inner feelings, it really does help um, saying it out loud mm-hmm. um, because you don't always know what's going on in that crazy hurricane swirl in your brain mm-hmm. um but once you start kind of talking about it you kind of weed out the root of the problem and and it allows you to heal more and and you find that like okay you know for me it was a lot of just i, I felt i wasn't going to be there for my family in the capacity that i wanted to be and that was a lot of of the the catalyst of my mental health deterioration and that is a huge stress. Like I can, I can imagine that again, like as a father, as a husband, like that's like we were talking about, like it is a double-edged sword, but there, you know, if you, if you feel like you can't fulfill those responsibilities and those duties, like I can't imagine the weight that that would add to me. Like anytime that I've, I think I talked about it on the Christmas episode, but like, I remember going through one period where, you know, we were just, whatever, we spent a little bit too much. Like we had a bit of debt over our, over our head. Like it was just, mm-hmm it was really stressful and I was trying to figure out how to kind of crunch the numbers, get everything to work out well. And, uh, but I felt like I had let them down. Like it was like, I didn't know how we were going to pull through this. I didn't know what I was going to do. And it, but I can relate to that feeling because anytime that I really get into kind of a, a darker place or somewhere where I'm, you know, I just, 
I start to really beat myself up about it as well. But it, it all starts where I feel like I've let the family down. Like that can be, that just adds so much weight to you right away. Even if it's in your case, like no fault of your own, but if you're yep. feeling like, like you're somehow letting them down or not carrying your kind of share of the weight, like I can only imagine how fast that would get, would get to you. Yeah. And, and, and it was, it was difficult, yep. but working through that and, and realizing, you know, I'm still here for them. You know, even if my daughter just needs to talk, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need to be standing for that. I can be sitting, I can be relaxing, you know, little things like that. You know, my son can just come and play. We can lay on the bed and he can jump around and jump on top of dad and whatever and laugh and have a good time. And there's ways to around a bad day. You know, if I don't have the energy, there's, there's ways now I'm, I'm kind of, kind of teaching my son now slowly how to play video games. Cause he wanted to learn how to play super Mario. Cause he's oh, cool. almost four years old now. So I have the, uh, the super Nintendo classic that came out where it has all the games pre-programmed on. Oh yeah. The one that comes preloaded. Yeah. So he's yeah. playing super Mario world and Mario Kart, and he's crashing into walls and he runs and falls into the pit right away and goes, Oh no, he died and laughs, laughs and has a great time. And, or he'll just jump up and down in one spot and just giggling away and just pure laughter. And, you know, he doesn't care what we're doing. He just wants to spend time with dad and yep. he's just having a great time. And so those moments really now help me keep going with the mental health and, and stay strong with it. And, and so I've never been one to like talk about that sort of stuff. Totally. And I'm still learning how to talk about mental health and and the struggles that I've gone through and, and how to kind of vocalize it. Well, and growing up in the trades, I mean, that's not something you're ever, you're ever accustomed to, or, you know, there's no crash course through that when you're in trades. Oh, we, we won't say the words that you would get told if you, brought up your feelings at work (laughs) (laughs) no those those words have all been canceled long ago yeah oh yeah no yeah your (laughs) podcast wouldn't last a day (laughs) no 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 (laughs) oh man it's it's so true though i mean it's just uh it's just not something that comes up ever um yeah i i completely hear you like like i said like i've said it before but kind of when i was working out of town once you get into that final that third week when people really start to kind of lean on each other because again you've been away from home for 21 days whatever it is that's the only time i've ever experienced it where people will really start to open up because you got nobody else to talk to and everybody's going through the same situation but um yeah it's pretty rare among the world of trades yeah oh and if you're just the monday to friday guy working in trades like <laughs> local no dice <sighs> no nope. dice. <laughs> no no okay <laughs> No, I hear you. That's, uh, that's awesome with, you know, it's something that I try to keep in mind too with my kids is just that a lot of times you don't have to even do anything like they, they love it. If you read a book or if you lay down and they use you as a trampoline, like that's my two and four year olds favorite kid. Like I, it hurts the hell. (laughs) Like it hurts my back, but they love using me as a trampoline and I'm, I'm going to be there for them. So it's, uh, yeah, it's something to keep in mind that all you have to do is really spend time with them. There isn't anything, you know, you don't have to be taking them on vacations or taking them to, whatever in our case castle fun park or anything anytime it's it's just about spending time with them there's a lot we can learn from the innocence of children oh yeah um you know a lot of we don't watch them enough 
we don't watch them the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, like we think we're supposed to be teaching them and, and really we've lost touch with so many things, you know, mm-hmm. I don't like to say that society is broken. I like, but it's definitely out of touch. Yeah. Um, you know, recently we were dealing with some issues with our 14 year old and, and the dating scene and stuff is just so more advanced at that age than it was when I was in high school, oh, you know, I'm so happy relationships, so happy that, relationships at 14 are basically what relationships are, were at 17, 18 when we were, when we were younger, that terrifies and it's very, me. it's very strange, you know, she's like, basically what I was when I was like 13 years old, 10 years, 10 year olds are doing and feeling, you know, and it's like, it blows my mind that the innocence of children is being lost so young now. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a awesome conversation with our daughter, but it was heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. Well, that, I'm that we had to have it that's amazing that you guys at least have those open lines of communication. Like I know as a kid myself, like I wasn't open to my parents about anything that I was going through through like the beginning of the dating stage, different world. Exactly. Totally. But we're like me and my wife are really trying to keep that in mind with our nine-year-old who's going to be 10 here soon. But um, because even him, like already there's stuff that, you know, we'll talk, but we're like, well, we never dealt with this at this age. And, but we're dealing with it with our son at nine. And uh, you're right. It's, it's a different world. Kids are growing up way faster than I think we used to. And it, you're right. It's sad. And it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's definitely an adjustment, but we're trying to kind of focus on keeping those lines of communication open. Cause I think there's, you know, that's all you can really do. Yeah. And, and make sure you, you have the proper tools and, and parental controls on things. Yeah. Um, we learned the hard way once. Oh no. <laughs> that trust trust only goes so far you know so right they get curious right it is what it is yeah i don't think there's any way around that you can't be mad it's just the world is different the internet has changed things having access at a much younger age to information and also with um you know a lot of both parents working full-time less supervision Mm -hmm. um more more need to seek information yourself has kind of caused that accelerated growth, I guess, you know, especially if there's younger kids in the house where, you know, if you're 12, you're babysitting. Yep. So it's, it's, it's sad that it's come to that. And I hope that it finds a way to kind of balance itself out and, and repair a little bit, but you know, it uh i don't know how to wrap up this thought i lost my train of thought this time it was you last time <laughs> it was me last time no you know what i i completely agree i mean what you were saying about kenny you know if you have a 12 year old kid and you've got younger siblings in the house it's trying to balance because i know with like with my sons like we want I've, I've always said this but we just want to raise like competent and kind of fulfilled kids like we want them to be able to go out into the world and they're formidable they can kind of handle themselves they can take care of themselves that's my my ultimate goal as a parent but you're right it's trying to strike that balance between instilling kind of responsibility and then maintaining just that childhood innocence a little bit trying to allow them to enjoy their childhood like you know we've we have chores that our our son's been doing probably since he was seven like and they kind of they increase every year but it's but sometimes like he forgets to do them or you know he 
makes a mess or does something, you know, against the rules. And it's like, we have to kind of stop ourselves or remind ourselves like, Hey, he's nine, like, you know, like, but he's the oldest in our family. So, and it's kind of frustrating because I, I was the oldest of of my siblings and we went through a divorce really young. So I had to shoulder, or at least I felt like I had to shoulder and I ended up shouldering a lot of responsibility for my siblings. Yep. So it's tough to kind of, for me personally, it's tough to break that off and try not to push that responsibility on my son now, Mm -hmm. because that was my life experience. Like I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're the oldest sibling, you have to be there for your brothers, like 24 seven, like that, that's your job. You have to be there. They're your responsibility to look after them. And it's, it's tricky to, to kind of cut that off because it's something that that's how I grew up. And so I have nothing else to really pull on from personal experience, but my wife does a good job of kind of keeping that in check or reminding me like, Hey, he's a kid, like back off on the responsibility a little bit. And it's, it's good. Like I, I, I mean, you praise your wife all the time, especially through this last three years, how much closer you guys have grown. My wife is the best too. Like I like to say like steel sharpens steel. Like she's very like me and her are both yeah. very, very uh, stubborn, very opinionated. Like, but we, whenever we kind of clash, we just, we sharpen each other. Like we're, we aren't, you know, we, we try to push each other a little bit and try to, to help each other grow. And yeah. so I really appreciate that. That's kind of the, the voice I need. I, somebody, I need somebody who like will contend against any ideas that I have. And I, I love it. Like <laughs> I, she's the best. I, I can't imagine going through life without her, especially through, you know, parenting and especially through this pandemic. Like if I didn't have her, I don't know who, who I'd be leaning on. Cause I can't talk to friends really family's a little bit cut off right now. So it's yeah. uh yeah, it's been a weird time, but like you, like I'm just, I'm leaning more into my wife and my family and I, I couldn't be more grateful for them. Oh, it's awesome. When you find a, a, a good partner. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm sure you can, you can like understand this too, but it's, you know, like we've all had different relationships somewhere, like, you know, one side will walk all over the other and vice versa, blah, blah, blah. But I, I just need somebody who is going to tell me the way it is. And you kind of, you help build each other up. Like it's not, yeah, like I I can't explain it better than steel sharpen steel. I like somebody who will actually kind of argue with me, push back a little bit. And we try to build each other up that way. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, it's in my de- my wife definitely definitely <laughs> likes to argue with me. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> uh, but I I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, it's a good challenge. I like to win. I like to say I told you so. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my wife, wife hates it. She absolutely hates it. But oh, my but wife, I love it. My wife loves it. Uh, well, when she gets to say it anyway, like, and it's it's so funny because we'll compete. Like, she likes a lot of the the real like the true crime docuseries and everything on Netflix. Like we just oh, those watched are my the one. favorite. Oh, did you, did you watch the one on the Cecil hotel with not the, yet? Uh, not yet. I'm oh saving that God. one. Watch that one. It's incredible. But like, but it's so funny because she gets so into them and she'll have like her whole theory built by like episode two or halfway through the series. And then like, <laughs> she'll make me build a theory just so that we can go head to head to see who's right. Like, yeah, uh, it, it makes it so much fun watching those kind of things. She's right into him. Like she knows more about those stories half of the time than the documentary makers. But it's uh, yeah, it makes it a fun experience for both. Oh, of us. absolutely. I told my wife, ain't no way we're falling victim to a serial killer. I've Never. watched so many of those documentaries. I'm like, I got it. I'm Never. like, am I a serial killer? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh no, it's good. And I mean, it's funny because it's actually strengthened like uh, other relationships too, like with my, my mental health struggles and my recovery and that, like with my parents, you know, growing up, I didn't have the the type of 
strong relationship that I have now with them. Yep. You know, they've been so supportive through all of it and it definitely warped our relationship into it, into a much better, um, more open sharing relationship. And, and for that, I was like eternally grateful. Yeah. You know, well, like um, you said, the silver lining to all this stuff, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm still in awe of your, just your perspective on all this. Cause again, like, I don't know <laughs> that I would share the same, the same outlook that you do. And I think it's incredible. Well, I mean, there are bad days for I mean, sure. You know, you got it. And, and there are bad parts to it. I mean, I don't enjoy the bathroom stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, and, and I get frustrated, you know, watching, watching disabilities portrayed in pop culture and things, you know, what, what I, would be one, what would be one example if you don't mind me asking? So, um, recently, uh, I watched the third season of Cobra Kai. Okay. And, you know, I, I don't know how many people watch it out there, but, and, you know, spoiler alert, but one of the characters ends up injuring his back severely. And essentially they play it as if he's become paralyzed from the waist down and then miraculously recovers and competes in a karate tournament. And, and, you know, it totally, totally takes away from anyone who's actually gone through that struggle or continues to go through that struggle. And it's just typical Hollywood crap, you know, yeah. and it's so frustrating that that's always what's portrayed you know, they don't go into the nerve pain and they don't go into the real struggles of the breakdown of relationships and and the the fact that he probably had a catheter or the fact that, you know, now you have to, you know, go poop differently. Mm. Um, you know, all that stuff never gets talked about in those things. You know, even the wheelchair character in Glee was just in a wheelchair. Right. You know, he never really had any struggles. Mm -hmm. It was just, he's just a dude in a wheelchair. And so it, it's like, you don't get the backstory struggle of like, yeah, he has a hard time opening doors every day that don't have a button on him. Or he has to wait 45 minutes for an elevator because all the people who are too lazy to take the stairs won't get out of the way. Right. And different stuff like that. And so that's kind of the stuff that bothers me nowadays. I, I can understand that. I mean, and it's it's weird, too, because if there's one thing that pop culture likes more than completely tearing people down, it's watching people kind of build themselves back up. So you'd think that would be kind of a real feel good story that ever, that a lot of people could get behind. And it's something that but at the same time, I mean, yeah, I I don't I don't really get it. Like I I, I figured that they would have you know, that would have been a good opportunity to highlight some people kind of building themselves back up like that. Yeah. And, you know, when it first happened and they started into the recovery of the character, I thought they were going to do a great job. And then just nope, out of nowhere, it's just, oh, we'll just play some rock music and then you'll be better. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> a miracle. Why didn't I think of that? Led Zeppelin fixes everything. Right. <laughs> That's so all it would have taken. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, there are some that do do a good job. I mean, recently, actually, there's a new movie that just came out on Netflix called Penguin Bloom. Mm -hmm. um, and it's based on a true story of a woman who was injured, a mother who was uh, paralyzed just five years ago, actually. Five or oh, so, so based, years ago. Based on a true story? 
Yeah, it's based on a true story. Okay. And so uh, it, it does a good job of portraying the actual struggles of of being in a wheelchair and that and, and the struggles it hits on the family. And sorry, and that's that's Penguin Bloom, you said? Yep. And it shows a little bit more of like what happens and, and the anger and the sadness and and the different waves of emotion you might go through if you went through something like that. Mm-hmm. And then one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, and it actually is is pretty similar to my story. Very different injuries, but the recovery of the first year very, um, followed very similar patterns to mine. Okay. Uh, it's called Any One of Us. Any One of Us. Yeah, and it's a documentary that was on done by HBO Sports. Okay. And it's uh, based on uh, a downhill mountain biker. His name's Paul pa- Bazagodia. Okay. And uh, he was injured in a Red Bull downhill, downhill race. And he was paralyzed from the waist down. And uh, it covers his, his recovery, uh, first year recovery, basically. I think maybe a little more of his first, than his first year. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great documentary but even it leaves out a lot of the stuff where it comes into the the nerve pain and things and and that and so i i try to kind of point people in the direction of those more informational pieces because then people get a better idea of like what it's actually like um because you don't get it in school and you won't get it unless you seek it um Mm -hmm. and and because i was one of those people yeah, and no. well, that's why I'm writing it down because I'm, you know, I have I have no personal experience with it. I the most experience I have now is since kind of getting to know you, and so, yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna check. Uh, well, I mean, the grass is greener isn't really applicable to this at all, but I'm definitely <laughs> gonna check out Penguin Bloom and any one of us as well. That uh, yeah, yeah, I I think that's I think it's important to kind of broaden your perspectives on anything like this, like uh, any any kind of more understanding you can get kind of helps your level of empathy and just your your level of support too, right? Absolutely. It's funny because when you were talking about uh, just stereotypes in media, that was a lot of the driving force behind getting this podcast started was because anytime you see a tradesperson come into a sitcom, it's usually a plumber. He usually have his, has his like pants halfway down his ass and he's just like a bumbling idiot. Right. And yeah. it is funny. And I know trades people who would fall into that category, but there's, there's a lot more to trades and to, you know, your blue collar everyday workers than. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And he's wearing a wife beater. Yep. Yeah. Or, or you get the, the blanket construction worker yeah. wearing a wife beater, blue jeans. He's wearing the tan tool belt. <laughs> All he's got hanging from it is a hammer. Yeah. He's got the bright yellow hard hat on. Yep. That's it. Maybe if we're lucky, he's got a tape measure, but yeah, you're right. That's just, that's yeah. the stereotypical construction worker. And uh, that, that was a lot of the driving force behind this podcast. So you know, those negative stereotypes can really push people to do other things too. Well, yeah. And some people in trades have a brain and a personality. Yep. Yep. And there's a lot of, yeah, that, and that's what I, what I would like to try to highlight with this show. So, you know, thank you for coming on. I figured, I know it's getting late there and uh, I've got to get up early for work tomorrow. We might have a little bit of uh, this hockey game left if we get off now, but I figure if you wanted to kind of, you know, drop your plugs, I know you've got your Twitch stream that's going and you've made a few, updates to that as well yeah no so we uh we're now affiliated through the twitch affiliate so now we can we can monetize the stream a little bit so when people subscribe we we earn money through we earn 50 percent revenue through subscriptions and then donations and things uh are active now 
Um, we're almost at a hundred followers. Oh, wow. Um, so we're starting to build a bit of a following. Um, once we hit a hundred followers, I want to kind of start doing little giveaways and stuff. Um, recently did a change into kind of morphing the stream into more family friendly. Oh yeah. Um, so I've developed a thing called a swear jar. And so if it fills <laughs> up, I'll, I'll gift a sub to active viewer and, uh, and stuff like that, just to kind of hold myself accountable, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and make for a little better content on the internet. Cause there's enough toxic crap out there. Why mm. not, uh, why not spread some love and joy and, and have a good time and, and hopefully try to start using my platform to spread some spinal cord awareness. Yep. Um, now that we're getting a little bit more of a following, we, we start to get a few more viewers every time now and, and chats a little more active. So, um, and, and the other thing with, with streaming on Twitch, it's been great for my mental health, like the hobby, yep. um, using that as a hobby and, and connecting with people through that. Um, I, I recently connected with a young man from Europe who was struggling because his 16 year old brother had passed away recently. And so we had a long conversation about how, you know, it's tough and, and he was struggling and kind of wanting to give up. And, and we had a really good talk just through Fortnite and, and through my Twitch chat, you know, and it's amazing how video games can just bring people together like that. And I hope that he's doing well. I haven't talked to him in a while. Like it was just a one day interaction, but you know, something like that just felt so rewarding to me to be there for him in that moment. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't know what he was getting into. I didn't know what I was getting into, but once it happened, it was just like, it was kind of like a beautiful moment almost. Yeah. That's, that's um, incredible. And like you said, kind of, because you know our social interactions are so limited right now the the fact that you're kind of able to connect with people even online like that is is incredible i mean even this this interview like we live five minutes from each other but i know you know your your immune system is a little bit more compromised and so yeah you know we've got to got to stay apart but i you know without this without technology i don't know where we'd be at of course and and then the other thing too is you know i'll plug the rad society Again, uh, radsociety.ca is the charity that I try to support. Um, I think their mission to, uh, to increase um, recreational adaptive equipment in, in cities is, is very admirable. Um, so that I try to support them. Actually, this year, my Facebook birthday post, you know how they allow you to pick a charity. That's the charity I picked. I think we raised $400 for the Rad Society this year on my birthday. So that's great. That was, that was pretty cool. And uh, they just did their fifth annual polar plunge. So it, they try to try to get uh, people with spinal cord injuries and other disabilities to uh, to take up to uh, go for a swim in the ice cold. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it's absolutely wonderful what they're doing and what they're trying to do. Um, you know, there's great foundations out there and things like the recounts and foundation and that, but they, they really, they have so many things that they spread their money to that, you know, niche foundations like the rad society are a little more fun to support because you know exactly where the money's going to and what the money is being used for. Um, so that's why I try kind of try to focus on those, those smaller officially registered charities. Yep. Um, Cause, cause I think it's great what they're, what they're doing and what they're trying to do just because recreational equipment is, it's ridiculously expensive. I mean, if you want an adaptive mountain bike, it's 10 grand. 
Yeah. And I can't even imagine like, you know, what, what it would mean to somebody who is, is disabled in some way to be able to kind of feel quote unquote normal and be able to, to, you know, go out and go for a bike ride or go do something like that, that they may be used to be able to do and something that was lost to them. And then to be able to suddenly do it again would be, that's amazing. It's more than just a bike. Yeah. And, and, you know, being able to do the, that type of recreational activity is so huge and it's hard because there's things that happen in the news and that, that are a bit detrimental to, to movements like trying to raise money for that because, you know, there's people like Ryan Strasnitsky who bless his soul is doing incredible in his recovery and is doing his push to make the Canadian sledge hockey team. But, you know, people see that on the news and, go oh well he's doing amazing and oh he's got all this access to all this special um testing and you know he's got all this equipment and he's out oh look he's out playing sledge hockey on the pond and all that and it's like yeah plenty of people in wheelchairs would be able to do those activities if they were sponsored by adidas and had people buying their equipment and buying their ten thousand dollar sledge ice sledge and you know it, it it's it's about money. Yeah. You know, a lot of these people can't go out and work the same jobs that they had before or can't get jobs the same as able-bodied people. It's just not the same type of work pool. Mm -hmm. And so they're immediately handcuffed for how much money they can make. Mm -hmm. And then, so what the society does, they turn around and charge them triple for their recreational equipment than they would charge an able-bodied person because now it needs to be engineered differently and all this extra work has to go into making it. Right. But instead of passing that, that cost on to different societies and different government organizations, it goes on to the consumer Mm -hmm. and the consumer's already screwed over. So it's like, you know, they get hit twice right at the start and it's just, it's sad and it's shameful and it needs to change. Yeah. Well, that's awesome that there are, you know, charities like the rad society and that they're, they're kind of getting a a bit of momentum and yeah, hopefully you can kind of push more there with your Twitch channel and with this, with this podcast too. Like I'm, I'm all for that. I think that's a great, uh, a great charity and a great cause. Yeah. And there's a command for the podcast in my Twitch stream. So I just hit exclamation mark pod in the chat and it pops up with the link. So it sends everyone right to this podcast. So we, we oh. support the pod and. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I try to mention your Twitch stream too. I, I, uh, you know, with the, with the kids, I think I've tuned in once briefly and then one of our kids had a, had a shit explosion. I had to go change a diaper again, but you know, <laughs> oh, you know, how, it yeah, yeah, you know how it is. Absolutely. Right up the back. And yeah, just like, Uh-oh. Oh my goodness. Uh-oh. How'd you get in your hair? <laughs> I know our 11 month old just started crawling. So we're really in for it now. It's uh, yeah. all the baby gates are back up on the stairs and ugh. Oh, well, this is our last one. I, uh, I made sure of that surgically. There you so go. We're yeah. good. <laughs> awesome, man. All right. Well, uh, once again, what's your Twitch stream? All right. Well, yeah, if anyone wants to drop by and have a chat, uh, you can catch me playing video games or goofing off on Twitch at uh, Dustin underscore N underscore Bustin. Um, You can usually just switch dust. uh, You can usually just search Dustin and Bustin. You'll find my my stream page. Um, I'm the guy sitting in the wheelchair. (laughs) And like you said, I mean, sometimes for those of you who are 
NHL or Vancouver Canuck fans. I mean, you play with Eddie Lack too every once in a while, don't you? Every once in a while, yeah. Uh, yeah. To name drop there, I guess, yeah. Um, uh, Eddie Lack will drop by my stream every once in once in a while. Um, oh. We play a lot off stream, but uh, yeah, it's it's funny through Twitch and and social media and playing Fortnite. I actually, yeah, met Eddie Lack and play with him quite often. He's oh. kind of like a buddy now, which is kind of crazy to think. That's super cool. And for any of you Americans or people who aren't familiar, that's uh, an ex NHL goalie and, uh, you know, Vancouver Canucks, Carolina Hurricanes, Calgary Flames, you know, a whole gambit of teams, but primarily on the Canucks. So, um, yeah, thanks so much, Dustin, for coming on. And oh, thanks uh, for having me again. It was you know, a pleasure, hey, uh, just like the last time. Hey, uh, and, and we'll we'll do this again, I'm sure. I'm, I hope that your, your Twitch stream can grow and, uh, yeah, and just continued success in the future. You as well. I love the pod and uh, I look forward to it every week and I appreciate you having me on again. Awesome. Have a good one, man. You as well. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, comment, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook and uh, at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support and especially those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.